you'd be so kind as to take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 16. Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 through 16. If you are just joining us in this sermon series through the letter to the Philippians, then I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to the previous sermons. I will kind of catch you up to speed in the introduction. The title of today's sermon is How to Be Lights Among Darkness. So here now God's immutable and infallible decrees. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. This morning, as we continue digesting God's word through the letter written from Paul to the church of Philippi. Let us keep in mind the main theme, which is humility, which is the humility of Christ, which Paul really hones in on in chapter two. And let that be sown into our hearts for the growth of the church and the growth of our souls and our sanctification. Not only that, may we be utterly dependent upon him, the only true sovereign Lord, to teach us his way and his truth. Let us pray. Mighty and gracious God, I pray that you would pierce our hearts this morning for your word is alive and active. It is a double-edged sword, able to divide us, Lord. May you pierce our hearts and draw us to, to yourself all for your glory, then that way we may behold you. It is in Christ's name I pray. Amen. In this letter, Paul has been drawing the Philippians to exaltation, but he has done it in such a way through humility. He has been pointing to Christ, the exalted king who became humble. He has done it through pointing to suffering and to the cross and saying, this is the way of life. This is the way to glorification. This is the way to increase. And that way is to decrease. And so... I wish to show you two things that might fan the flame to holiness this morning. The first one is the exhortation. Look with me to verse 14. Paul writes by the breath of the Spirit. He says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Do all things does that mean some things? Does that mean the things that we want to do that we don't want to do? No, it means all things. All here means all. 
the hard things in marriage, do them without grumbling. The hard things at work, do them without disputing. The hard things, the nitpicky things, the things that unbelievers are telling you to do that are in the workplace, we are to submit ourselves to them. So we are to do all things without grumbling. And this word grumbling here in the Greek represents a kind of internal mumbling or hardening of the heart, kind of like the children of Israel in the wilderness who just grumbled when they were in Egypt. They grumbled when they left Egypt. They grumbled when they had food and they grumbled when they didn't have food. Dr. Steve Lawson notes that the children of Israel are professional complainers, just nipping at the heels of God, complaining against him. Nothing is good enough for them. In Egypt, nothing's good enough. Out of Egypt, nothing is good enough. They complained without food and water, and then they complained when they got food and water. It does not matter. They were never content. They were never content. Moses says this, why do you complain? And he says, your complaint is not against us. Your complaint is against God himself. So when we do all things, but we do them with grumbling and disputing, we are disputing against the hand that provides to us as to say it's not good enough. I'll give you a little illustration. In Proverbs 30, verse 15, describes a leech that always says, give, give, give more. Are we, brothers and sisters, like that leech? who are saying, well, Lord, you provided here, but it's not good enough. I need more. Well, Lord, I mean, the new job is nice, but it's still not good enough, and I need more. As the cliche goes, more money, more problems. You can even apply that to, you know, more things we have. The more we have, the more problems we have. Let us not harden our hearts towards the great providences of God, because remember, we deserve nothing. If you compare yourselves, and I know it is a completely and diametrically opposed culture, it is a completely different time in the world, um, but they had nothing. They legit had nothing. But what does Paul say? He says, if we have food and clothing, we have enough and we will be content. Or maybe it, it could be this, that you don't have what you want, but it may be that you're grumbling because God isn't doing something the way that you wanted him to do it. Well, beloved, 
God is not our servants to obey us. Rather, quite the opposite, let us be content with childlike faith. Let us be content with the Father and His will for our life, whether His will be to prosper us at times or to grant us suffering. But let me tell you that the God who is the ruler and controller over every atom in this universe wills all things, yes, even the evil that happens to you, for your good, which I am talking about the sanctification and the ultimate salvation in the fullest sense. So let us not grumble. Let us not desire to just hear sweet things from our friends and family, but let us be wise and when reproof and rebuke come our way, if it be from the Lord or if it be from a friend, let us be content. Second thing he says, so we do all things, number one, without grumbling, so the internal, and then the second thing he says, he says to do it without disputing. That'd be the external. Suppose this. What if God, in his wisdom, has willed suffering for my life? And yet, my brother or sister in the faith doesn't have suffering. It seems like I have been dealt the unfair hand here. As someone myself who suffers every day with disease and sickness can speak, who am I to raise my voice against the Almighty? What right does the pot have over the potter? Is he not the one who formed me and made me this way? How dare I raise my voice? How dare I, a sinful man, think that God is like me? That I should raise my voice against him and say, you don't know what you're doing. This is not fair. Who am I to tell God that he slipped up? I think it should be this way, or that I think it should be this way or that way. Brothers and sisters, though he slay me, yet I will still worship him. When we stop arguing against God and start being obedient to God in all things, then and only then can we start serving our brothers and sisters in the faith without arguing and disputing and serving each other as we would serve unto the Lord himself. So now I want you to consider. I want you to consider something to help you to kind of do all things without grumbling and disputing, to be content in all things. I want you to consider Christ himself. Born in an animal trough, Dirty, nasty, the king of holiness who is pure, born into filth immediately, raised poorest of the poor. So much so that the people would say, what good can come from Nazareth? 
He was despised and rejected of men, a stumbling block of offense to many people. He was hated and cursed for our sake. Yet as a lamb led to slaughter, he did not open his mouth nor cry out. He did not grumble. He did not complain. He came from majesty to die your death that you deserved because of your sin, to die my death for my sin. To take on the floggings, his flesh ripped from his bones and the crown of thorns, then pressing into his skull, dehydrated, weak, dying, bloody. Yet never grumbled nor disputed. Oh, body of Christ, brothers and sisters in the faith, behold your king, humble and lowly. Behold your God. And may your prayer always be, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, O God, in all things with thanksgiving. If the hand of the Lord puts you into the dust, then worship there. If he lifts you up on the mountain, then worship there. But whatever it may be, may it be nevertheless not my will, but your will be done, O God. Which brings me to my second point. What is the purpose of doing all things without grumbling and disputing? What is the purpose for it? The purpose is, number one, that you may be blameless. Now, this blameless does not mean sinless because... We know that if any man says that he does not have sin, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. First John tells us that. But that we would be blameless, not before God in a internal, righteous, perfect sense, but in a sense before our brothers so that the gospel of God and the name of God would not be blasphemed, so that we would not be hypocrites. Take Daniel, for example. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, Daniel's not sinless, but rather he did not sin presumptuously or willfully before men. He kept the law of his God, and yet King Darius, who was a heathen, uh, an enemy nation, if you will, was at peace with Daniel because Daniel walked according to the ways of the Lord. And it moved King Darius so much that Darius even fasted for Daniel and cried out in anguish when Darius had to send him to the lion's den because he prayed to his God, because Daniel was praying. And there was a decree in the land to not do that. So, he said, I will submit to God regardless of what the law is. And so they came and they were like, hey, Daniel's praying. 
I mean, it would be different if they were like, hey, Daniel's, you know, sleeping around or he murdered this guy and took his money. Like, uh, you know, he lied to get some gain or advantage in the kingdom. Um, but no, it was Daniel was praying. And so Daniel was blameless. I mean, he was doing the things of God. There was no transgression there. So likewise, we too should be blameless before men, praying at all times. And when we do things without grumbling and when we do all things with prayer and submissiveness, it will cause even our enemies to be at peace with us. When a man's ways please the Lord, it causes his enemies to be at peace with him. Um, but also it will cause them, it will heap up a fire upon their hearts too, because they will burn even more against us. So remember that brothers and sisters. But not only that we would be blameless, but also that we would be innocent, bearing the dove-like nature of the Holy Ghost. And how do we do that? Well, through humility. Again, the whole point one of the main points of this letter is humility, driving to the decrease of self. Never boasting in self, but boasting in God. May our whole life mantra be, far be it from me, Lord, yet not I, but Christ in me. Decreasing more and more so that he may increase more and more that the wonderful works of God may be known to the children of sin who serve false gods and when I say false gods I don't mean that they have idols in their house although that may be true but there are even Christians who have an idea of what they think God is because they don't know his word and so their mind naturally fills in these gaps and then they have a false God. And so we must be weary of that. But the more that we come to know his word and who he has revealed himself to be to us through his word, then we can proclaim through our life and our worship and our walk, the wonderful works of God. And they will say, what kind of God is this that you serve? What has he done for you? And then that opens up a way for us to give the gospel. To say, I was a sinner. I still am a sinner. But I used to love sin, but now I hate sin. And he died for me and paid the debt that I could not pay. To be gentle and bearing the dove-like nature of the Holy Ghost. Thirdly, the purpose of this is, is that you may wear the banner, children of God. Now let me tell you what it does not mean to be a child of God. 
It does not mean to be crooked, deceitful, or perverse. The world has it backwards. God's plan for marriage, perverted. God's plan for children, perverted. God's plan for moral ethics, twisted and crooked. The world is a counterfeit. Satan has taken the things of God, perverted them, and then painted it gold and polished it and made it look real nice, but yet like a a golden cup that is polished and pristine, pristine, it's full of poison. So let me ask you, are you drinking from this poison cup? Do you love the world that crucified your Christ? Do you take pleasure in the sin that put him on the cross? Do you still sit there with the world and shout, crucify him? Do you? Do you love sin? If you love Christ, you will forsake sin. The easiest way to tell that a man has been forgiven of sin is that that man forsakes his sin. If you were born of a holy seed, you will not desire it. But I will tell you what it does mean to wear the banner, child of God. It means truth, love, honesty. It means that you're an adopted child. It means that you are a light of the world. It means that you hold fast the word of life. This is not just a Sunday thing. This is not legalism saying, oh, if I can just keep the commandments and the laws of God, then everything, I'll be a good person and and God will forgive my sin. That's not how it works. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. So your good deeds, you keeping the good deeds of the law, you will by no means be justified in the sight of God and made clean and forgiven of your sin because you do good deeds. That's not how it works. Study church history. And you will find men who shined bright as the sun in a world of darkness, you will find that they had all the same things in common. All of these men did the same thing. They beheld Christ as the son of righteousness and through constant communion with him, through Going up to Mount Zion as Moses did to Mount Sinai, they came down reflecting the glory of God. They came down knowing the heart of their Savior more. Rejoicing in Him more, they must share it. Because they are so full of who He is and what He has done for them, they are overwhelmed and like a river 
of love and joy their heart pours out and says, I have to tell people about how good this God and Savior is. I have to. And I'm not saying that you should seek for the end goal to be glowing like Moses. I'm not. But I am telling you to labor in prayer and in studying the scriptures prayerfully to know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit through sincere desire in your heart. Desire that bread from heaven. Desire the living waters that flow from the throne of God. And you will be lights in a world of darkness. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Mighty and holy God, we thank you for your word today. We pray that as we go out into our homes and into the world, that we would be in constant inward reflection of who you are, holding fast the word of life. May you give us patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, steadfastness towards our brothers in the faith and even the unbelievers that we may do all things without grumbling and disputing, working not unto men, but as unto you, O God. May we forsake sin and cling to the cross. And may you shape us more and more into the likeness of your glorious Son who is altogether lovely. It is in his name, Christ's name we pray. Amen.